Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Bobby, and I'm the the worship and creative arts pastor here at Calvary. And so most weeks I am, I'm leading us in moments of worship, but I get the privilege, I always say the privilege of bringing us our teaching today. The last couple of weeks here at Calvary, we have had some up and down kind of moments together. Two weeks ago, for maybe some of you who weren't here or if you're new with us today, two weeks ago we had a a celebration-ish service for Pastor Paul because the Malat family, we were launching them into their new new season uh, in Barrie. And so Pastor Paul and his family, the whole Malat crew who had been here for 19 years, who had served as our lead pastor for seven years, we had a celebration farewell service two weeks ago. Um, And it was just so encouraging. It was a lot of fun. And then last week, we had um, our very own Glenda, was one of our board members, um, talking to us last week. And and it was maybe, it was one of those feelings that we have these celebration moments with the Malots, and then it's the first week without the Malots. And so there's this feeling of emptiness a little bit. Someone who's been here, a family who has been here for 19 years. And Glenda just brought such an appropriate passage with us last week, going through the death of Moses, which was very actually appropriate. Understanding that there is a season and a time to feel, to be able to grieve and mourn certain things, and that it's actually not only okay, it's actually appropriate. We don't just put on a facade of celebration every single week. And so last week we actually met together, and it maybe felt a little bit more somber. It maybe felt a little bit more sad, and yet Jesus was still at the center, and there was incredible unity moments together. I actually loved last week for that. She brought forward our board members and some of our staff members so that we could physically see who it is that is with us still leading us through this season. And then this week, we kind of come back up. Every September, we go through like a a mission, vision, value series. And so here it is. We're going to be talking about the core of who we are, community, outreach, and relationship. Every single year, probably for the last seven years, Pastor Paul has brought us a series of messages in September talking about the core of who we are at Calvary. And so if you're new with us, this is a great Sunday. You are going to get information on who we are and what we're about, how we act, what our mission is, what our vision is, what we are selling out for here at Calvary Church. If you've been with us for a while, I hope and I really do know that these shouldn't be any words that you have not heard before. But my prayer this whole week as I was preparing this message was that even though these are words that you have heard before, a series that you have heard before, things that Pastor Paul has spoken for seven years straight over and over, that the way that is presented, my hope this morning is that it will ignite a passion in you of why we're here, that this is why we're doing what we're doing. This is who we are. And hopefully, even though you may already know it, it excites you again because that's what it had for me this week as I was preparing it. I know all of these things. I've heard all of these phrases, yet I was just excited again for the mission of Calvary Church. I was excited again for the vision of why we're doing what we're doing. And I was excited again and reminded of who we are as Calvary, our core values, people who care deeply about relationship and outreach and community. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. There is something different, even as I was just praying, when you do something alone compared to when you do it with a group of people. That's why mission, vision, and values are so important because they can take a bunch of individuals and they can unify them together over something that they can all agree on and move forward in, and it's powerful. And you can accomplish so much more, especially when you're all aligned together. I think of even just a couple of things in my life. I'm a, I'm a big sports fan. Um, 
And so I was trying to think of, and maybe you can even think of one of these things on your own, is what's maybe a moment in your life, or maybe you've been at a concert or a sports game, or there was just some sort of moment where everybody together in unison was doing something and you could just feel like the difference. Uh, like for me, I was picturing, I think it was 2016, the Blue Jays were in the playoffs, probably the last time they made the playoffs, except for this year. And it was a playoff game in 2016. There's 50,000 people in the Rogers Center. Um, and we are cheering on our team. And so you get those two-strike chants and claps. And every time you get a two-strike, everyone does a slow clap until hopefully something good happens. And then you all cheer together. And when 50, like literally for three and a half hours, you didn't sit down. We were standing for three and a half hours because the energy in the place, you could just feel it. Sometimes it was even more fun when the opposing pitcher would come up. And there was just like a central theme around this chant that you would chant to the opposing pitcher. And everyone was doing it together. And it was just crazy. The difference between being in that building with 50,000 people chanting the same thing or clapping at the same time compared to me watching at home, there's just something different. Same game. I'm still excited, but there is something different when you're doing it with a group of people. And that's why mission and vision and values are so important because what we can do on our own compared to what we can do as a church here at Calvary, if we are aligned, if we are on mission, if we know who we are, if we know what we're about, it's, it's incredible the things that we can accomplish. And so we're going to talk about those today. And so what we're going to do is before we get into our values, because this series is really all about our values, I wanted to bring and remind us what is our mission and what is our vision? Therefore, what are our values? And so we're going to go through that today. And so our mission, again, for those that have been around, you should have heard this before. Our mission at Calvary Church, we exist to empower disciple-making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is something that maybe we can, let's say this together. Already, we're going to say it together. We need to, this needs to be ingrained in who we are. So one, two, three. To empower disciple-making disciples of Jesus Christ. We're going to do that one more time. Three, two, one. To empower disciple-making disciples of Jesus Christ. That is, that is our mission. That is why Calvary Church exists. To empower, and I'll go into that, disciple-making disciples. You've heard it for seven years straight of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to go through a bunch of scriptures today. I might fly through them pretty quickly. I would love it if you would write them down, go back to them. They'll be on the screen as well. But we're not going to sit in one passage. There's going to be a bunch of just really good ones that are the reason why we are who we are. And so we exist to empower. That's the first one. When it comes to pastoring, we have like a, a verse in scripture that we always rely on that helps us know exactly what we're supposed to do. Ephesians 4 verse 12. Um, and and it, says, it says this, as pastors, teachers, leaders, apostles, our responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. You would always hear Pastor Paul even saying, hey, my personal vision in life, my mission in life is to actually empower and to equip others to do the work. So when we are here, we are not the ones doing all of the work. The pastors, teachers, apostles, we are not doing all of the work. We are equipping you to be able to do the work. We are doing it alongside of you. We're not just sitting back doing nothing, but our job is to equip. It keeps us kind of in line. And so there is a difference. If we jump to Acts 1-9, though, because we were using the word equip as teachers, pastors, leaders, and then you go to Acts 1-9, but you will receive power. 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we have these two things that are going on in church ministry. We have pastors and teachers and leaders equipping you to be able to do the work, to be able to go. But then we have the Spirit who will fill you and give you power and empower you. And so even in this word, in our mission to empower, there's this beautiful mixture of being equipped of being taught, of being aligned, and being filled with the Spirit to be empowered to do it. And so that word empowered is all filled in with all of those things right there. This beautiful partnership of when you're a part of Calvary that you will be taught, you will learn about Scripture, you'll be pointed to Jesus, you'll be equipped with tools to be able to become a disciple, make a disciple, but that we pray that we can create moments that you are filled with the Spirit so that you will be empowered to do so as well. And so you... We exist to empower the next disciple making disciples. It's that phrase, you become like a, a full disciple when you actually start discipling someone else. If we go to Matthew 28 here, it's verse 16 to 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some still doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go, right? Therefore go. Everything, all the authority has been given to me and I'm telling you, after I've discipled you for the last three years, now go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's literally all in there. I want you to go and make disciples, not just listen and worry about yourself, but actually go and make disciples. And don't worry, I will be with you. The Spirit will fill you, but I want you also to teach everybody what you have learned. It's literally all in there. Disciple making disciples. It's obvious if you're a disciple of Jesus that the goal, if you know about Jesus, if you're learning about him, is to replicate yourself and others. But we thought we need to make sure that it is just so obvious that we are disciple making disciples. So we say it, even though it should be implied, we say it all the time. We are disciple making disciples. Who is it that is in your life that maybe God has placed specifically in your life because of who you are. Maybe it's because they're your neighbor and now you have that opportunity. Maybe it's somebody in your family that you just have this way of speaking that maybe you have an in in their life to be able to share the gospel in a way that they would listen. Who is it in your life? A friend at school? A teacher? We say this often when, when even I can think in my dad's life when he had a season in the hospital and the people that he encountered in that season, that he was able to show who Jesus was in that season of hardship because he was always being very aware of disciple-making disciples in this season. Who is it that maybe God has placed in your life to reach out to? To empower disciple-making disciples. And then the last one of Jesus Christ. Again, maybe self-explanatory. Maybe it doesn't need to be in there, but we want to be so obvious. We are not, and this is even what Glenda brought up last week, we are not disciple-making disciples of Paul Malott. Although he helped point us to Jesus, that is not who we are following. We are not disciple-making disciples of, of maybe the people that we listen to often at home, a Beth Moore or an Andy Stanley or a Stephen. We are not disciple-making disciples of them we are not disciple-making disciples of, of Calvary Church or even the Bible. We are disciple-making disciples of Jesus Christ. We have to have that 
just so obvious. All of these things and all of these people help us maybe learn who that is and point to Jesus, but we are disciple-making disciples of Jesus Christ. It just has to be so obvious so that when people come in, this is why we exist. This is why Calvary exists, so that we can have a place where we can equip and empower you to be a disciple-making disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it probably even more times. I hope this is something that, again, becomes just something that you can repeat very easily. That is who we are. That is our mission. That is why we exist. And so after you have a mission statement, then you lead into your vision statements. Vision statements are your preferred future. If everything goes right with who we are and why we exist, if everything goes perfectly, this could be the preferred future. This could happen. And so we jump into a scriptures right away for our vision. If we continue in that pastoral one in Ephesians 4.12, we'll continue it on in Ephesians 4.13. So 4.12 and 13, as pastors and teachers and leaders and apostles, our responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And then it shows what would happen if this thing works perfectly. This will continue until we all come And I just think it's just such beautiful wording in here. Till we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son Jesus that we would be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. All come in unity because of the knowledge of who Jesus is. We will be mature, not just know about who Jesus is, but we're following him and becoming more mature in our faith until we come to the complete standard of Christ. That is a vision right there of what could happen if everything goes according to plan. Hebrews 8, 10 to 11. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel. I'll put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now listen to this. No longer will they teach their neighbor and say to one another, Know the Lord because they're all going to know me from least to greatest. You're going to go to your neighbor at one point and you'll say, Hey, do you know who Jesus is? And they're going to say, Yep. That could be a preferred future in full mature of who Christ is. Philippians 2, 9 to 11, Therefore God elevated him, Jesus Christ, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and even under the earth, that every tongue would declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is our vision. That is our preferred future. That in the Peterborough and extended areas, every knee would bow, every eye would see, every ear would hear. You would turn to your neighbor and they would know who Jesus is. They would come to a full maturity. There would be an incredible unity because we all have Jesus at the center. So it's not just this knowledge, but it's actually living it out. What an incredible preferred future if everything goes according to plan. And so in the past couple of years, Pastor Paul would always bring up the 3%, and and Glenda brought it up last week too. We, our vision is to reach 100%, but we need to, and this was really helpful when Paul brought it up, the 3%. We are not alone. We're not the only life-giving church here in Peterborough. We have friends and family and other churches that are helping us in this mission as well. And so he did this math equation that would say, okay, well, Calvary is responsible then for 3% of all of Peterborough. But the preferred vision, the, the vision of this church is that every knee would bow, that every eye would see, that every ear would hear, that you would turn to your neighbor and they would already know. And we would be in complete unity and maturity in Christ. Amen? That is what we are all about. That is what we are working towards. 
And so I was listening to a video this week as I was just trying to wrap my brain around and bring incredible clarity of mission and vision and values so that I could give you clarity. And so I was, I was listening to like a, a talk with Simon Sinek, who is um, like a leadership uh, author and speaker, and he was talking about vision statements. And he said, vision statements are so important because a vision statement is what people will sell out to. If they're a part of that organization, they are saying, I am willing to give my, as Paul would say, time, talents, and treasures to this because I believe in that vision. And so you want your vision to be something that is good, that is worth actually giving time and energy and money towards. You would even say, hey, one night a week, I would spend away from my family to serve with the kids or the teenagers because I believe so deeply in what they're doing. Well, that better be something that you are worth selling out for. And he would say, there's just so many organizations that have vision statements that are not good enough for that. And, and they don't stand the test of time. And so he said, there's three questions. Can your vision statement stand up to these three questions? And so I was like, oh, let's, uh, let's give it a whirl. <laughs> let's see if we're, if we're worth doing this. And so he said, there's three things that your vision needs to hold up to, or else it may not be worth that person coming in and selling out to, or it will just not last the test of time. And the first is, is your vision resilient? Is your vision resilient? Can it withstand cultural, political, technological change? Will it stick? There is lots of organizations that before the internet happened, they, they had this incredible vision. As soon as technology shifted, they were done. And, that, and, and they couldn't make it any further. There are some organizations that as soon as there was political change, as soon as there was some sort of cultural change, as soon as a, a pandemic hits, it did not last because it was not resilient. Is our vision resilient? Well, you can see through thousands of years, for some reason, the church, even when persecution comes its way, it starts to flourish. Even through a pandemic, we can come out the other side stronger. We can come out the other side just so excited about who we are and the vision that we have. Our vision is resilient. The second is, is it inclusive? The very words that you choose in that vision statement are an invitation to somebody who says, maybe I want to be a part of this organization. And they come in and they see that, can it, and will it include them? And that's why we say every single knee will bow and every eye will see and every ear will hear. And you will turn to your neighbor. It is for everyone. And the third that he said, which I thought was just really um, eye-opening, was that it needs to be service-oriented. There's always a benefactor to whatever your organization is. Is the key in your organization for yourself or is it actually for someone else? If any of you have ever been in sales, I think it might make a little bit more sense. I am not a good salesman. I don't like sales. I just want everyone to be happy and I don't want to sell you anything. But I remember in my season of sales for a season, there's a big difference between if you are selling somebody something and the primary benefactor in this transaction is that you're going to have a bigger bonus and that you're going to make more money because you're on commission, it will not last and it will not stand the test of time. It will not work. But if you fully believe that this product will enhance the life of the other person and that by them buying it, you truly believe they are the benefactor, well, then that's, that's going to be much, much better for anyone in sales that's you got to wrap your brain around that. You truly believe that the person who is going to be a part of that, it's for them. That will, that will last. That will stand the test of time. That's something worth selling out for. That's something worth giving your time, your energy, and your money for. Because it's not that you'll never make money. It just says your primary key of your vision cannot be for yourself. It cannot be for yourself. It has to be for others. And for us, it was that the world 
would know, that we are disciple-making disciples, that we are keeping our eyes open for each other, for our neighbors, for our loved ones, that we are giving them good news that we believe will change, radically change their life, that the, that the world would know. And so that's our vision, our mission, to empower disciple-making disciples of Jesus Christ, that the world would know. And that brings us to our values, which is what this series is going to be all about, community, outreach, and relationship. And so the value statement defines what an organization believes in and how people in that organization are expected to behave with each other, with customers, with suppliers, with stakeholders. It provides a moral direction for the organization that guides decision-making and it establishes a standard for assessing actions. What does that mean? Well, when we ever have to make a decision around here, well, is it going to help our community? Is it going to help us do outreach? Is it going to help us in our relationship with God? If not, we don't do it. It helps you know how to make decisions. It, it says this is who we are. If you come in contact with someone from Calvary Church, you will know that they care about their relationship with God, that they care about others, and that they have an incredible community. That should be just so obvious to the people that are here, to the people that encounter us, and that will help us make decisions moving forward. That's why it is so important. We'll jump into scripture. Where does this come from? Mark 12, 28 to 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He said, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And there was a ton of them. Of all the values, of all the things you guys think is important, what's the most important, Jesus? Well, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there's no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, it's more important than our burnt offerings and all of our sacrifices. We jump to John 13, 34, right before Jesus was about to die on the cross. Well, I was always kind of told and taught this passage was one of those, before I go, you're going to forget everything I've told you, so here's the one thing I need you to remember. Love one another as I have loved you. Love people like Jesus because then they'll know that you are my disciples by the way that you love. If you love in the way that I loved, it's gonna be different than the way that people normally love. And as soon as you do that act of kindness or grace or forgiveness, people will notice and their eyes will be pointed to me. Wow, that person did it different. They must know Jesus. So we love one another as Jesus loved. And so that's how our values are summed up. We've put them into two categories. We have our relationship with God and we have our relationship with others. And so our relationship with God, in our, in our mission, vision, values handbook, it says we will actively pursue a relationship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in order to know and experience him better. Pastor John Mark's gonna talk about that in two weeks. Our relationship with God is just so important. And then our relationship with people broken down into two types. We will build community with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we will serve those outside the faith with intentional outreach. Community, outreach, relationship. The core of who we are is community, outreach, and relationship because we were told that we need to love people like Jesus did and love God. And so it's all kind of in there. The core of who we are, building community, intentional outreach, building our relationship with God. 
So that's the intro to the whole series. <laughs> and we'll go into now community, next week outreach, next week relationship. The community part's going to be shorter this week, don't worry. So I'm going to jump into community. Why is community so important? How do we do it here at Calvary? And so I want to talk about the good old potluck dinner. Because I just, I think, A, everybody's probably been to a potluck dinner, whether it's a family reunion, whether you grew up in church, whether you've just been a part of things, the good old potluck dinner. There's a table, let's all picture, a table set for 20 people. And the host, who has been very generous, has said, you can come into my home. I'll set up the table, I'll put out the chairs, I got the plates, the forks, I will be generous. But you, each guest, needs to, and this is an important word, can everyone say contribute one more time. Can everyone say contribute? Every single person needs to contribute a dish to this meal. And this entire meal is going to be based on either the generosity of the people that come or the stinginess. I can host. I can have this ready to go. But if you bring nothing, then this meal sucks. <laughs> It's true. If, if you put no time, no energy, you're just going to grab something quick or bring nothing or hope that someone else brings something, it is not going to be the greatest meal. But if everybody is generous, that meal is just wonderful, right? It's all based on the generosity of those that are contributing. Maybe you would bring something to this that's home cooked. Maybe you have a special recipe that is just your potluck recipe. You know it, it's good, everyone loves it, I'm gonna do it again. And so um, you have something, or are you just gonna quickly put something together? You don't eat beforehand, you, you come expecting that there will be something, and this is so important in this analogy, you are just hoping that other people bring their best because you're excited for whatever that person is going to bring. And so I wanna just have a little conversation here. Let's try a community moment that I know sometimes falls flat on our face when we're up here and we say, hey, turn to your neighbor and chat about something. But this is super easy, I promise. I'll go first so you can think about it. But if you are going to go to a potluck dinner, what is your favorite thing that could be brought to that dinner? I'll go first to give you a couple of seconds, and then maybe we'll just chat about that. What's your favorite dish brought to a potluck? So I remember growing up in church, we would have one every Sunday or every one month or so on the Sunday. And um, Kathleen always makes fun of me because she says I like old people treats, so don't take offense if you like these, but Kathleen called you older. Um, I love Nanaimo bars, and there was a lady in our church that would make Nanaimo bars, and then there was these like specific little like marshmallow with chocolate chips, but they weren't chocolate, they were like uh, caramel or something like that, and they would make these little like squares, it's like, I can just picture it, and I love them so much, and I would just be so excited. People would be excited because my mom would bring sweet and sour meatballs, and they were always excited that my mom was going to bring sweet and sour meatballs. So those are a couple of examples, if you've ever been, it could be a family, it could be a church, it could be a school, whatever it is, what is something to a neighbor, what is something that you are excited that someone could bring to a potluck? You got 30 seconds, it won't be too long.
All right, what were, uh, what were a couple of examples? I would like to, uh, what are a couple, like, so even, I'll, I'll say one more. I remember we would, do a, we would do a potluck with our leaders and we would have a leader who would always be coming in from Scarborough and would just bring like the most wonderful like spicy uh, Jamaican patties or samosas uh, because no one else, especially if my family's around, it's the blandest meal ever, but I love spicy food. And so I'm hoping that Dave Calanche is going to bring that. I hope he's going to be generous because I'm excited and, and maybe I'm bringing someone that's going to be excited. What is another like key thing? Feel free to tell me. And we'll say, what is like a key thing? Mac and cheese. Beautiful. Brussels sprouts? Good to go. Is there lots of like, uh, there is people that are going to be so thankful that Brussels sprouts were, and I don't need to be one. They'll get eaten. If not, they can bring them home and they can eat them too. It's wonderful. What else is out there? Lasagna. Lasagna. Pulled pork. Oh yeah. Fruit trays with like the little yogurt dip that has the price sticker that you tore off or maybe put into a dish that makes it look like you did it yourself. That's what I would do, just to be honest. I bring other giftings to the potluck. Um, and, that's what I'm, and that's what I'm saying. It's even more than the meal. I'm going I'm to go deeper into this analogy. When you go to this dinner, you don't eat beforehand because you are coming expecting to be fed. And I think, again, this is an analogy of the church, so kind of try and think of both lines. You don't, I hope you don't come to church already having fed yourself. I hope you come expecting to be fed. I hope you come expecting because if you aren't, then you'll do something about it. You won't just go back on your own and be like, okay, I'm going to keep going, but I'm going to do all this on my own. No, you bring something bigger and better next time or you're aware of it next time. Maybe you bring a friend to the potluck for the first time. We've maybe all been there. I remember bringing Kathleen to my first potluck at my house or Kathleen bringing me into her family for the first time. But if you bring a friend to the potluck, what you say is, do not worry, bring nothing. You're going to be met with the generosity of my family and you're going to see who our community is. I think that's really good. If you're here with us for our first time, we never expect you to bring anything. I hope you are just welcome into our generous community. Just come, participate. I hope you see it. I hope you feel it. But because I'm bringing my friend, I'm really hoping that everybody's going to be bringing their best. I really hope that Aunt Marilyn is going to bring her sweet and sour meatballs because they really are the best. I really hope that Uncle Taylor is going to bring his guitar because he just creates such a fun atmosphere with music. And so I really hope he brings it. I hope that Uncle Jesse comes because he doesn't like talking to adults and he always escapes and he just hangs out with the children the whole time. And the kids have so much fun, but I'm bringing someone that has a kid. And so I hope Uncle Jesse comes and brings his best because he can do that. And it's so wonderful. I even hope that crazy, I always have to be aware of whose name, Aunt Kathleen. <laughs> I hope that crazy Aunt Kathleen comes because sometimes she toes the line, but she brings so much life and we laugh a lot and we have stories after because that's the best of our community. And I'm bringing someone in and I hope that they feel they have to bring nothing and they're met with our generosity. And I hope that everyone brings their best. That's how community excels. That's literally the only way that community excels. It is only built on the generosity of those that are participating. I hope that is a helpful picture for the community here at Calvary. If you're new, I hope you're welcomed into our incredible generosity. And every single week, I'm like, oh, I hope that Laura's singing this week because I know that when Laura gives her best, we all benefit. I hope that, I hope that Bernie is out there this week because he is so good at welcoming people. I know that if he's here, it's going to be good. I hope that we have 
Uncle Jesse in the kids' ministry, uh, avoiding all the adults, because he makes this, the children be able to have such a good time. I hope they bring their best. I hope that that person brought their best throughout the week because I know this place will look good, it will smell good, it will be tidy. I feel good about the community, the generous community as I'm bringing somebody in. It's only built on the generosity of everybody or else we just have a stingy meal. So that's why we value community. Because if the community is healthy, then that person who's being brought into it should, as scripture says, if we're doing it right, be pointed to Jesus. Our God that we believe in, Father, Son, and Spirit, which is in that statement too, is a community in and of itself. That is where this comes from. That is where it flows out of. That this place, this church, would become in full maturity and unity around Jesus, a disciple-making disciple community, just full of generosity. And so how do you do it? This is kind of our takeaway for today. How do you get involved? How do you become a part of the community here? And so we have a couple of different ways. We have the crew. <clears throat> Some of these are just, this is, these are Calvary wordings of things you probably know about. The crew, these are our serving teams. We have over 180 people. I just did like a quick conversation at staff this week. There's at least 180 people that serve on a very regular basis, like at least once a month. 180 different people bringing their best to kids ministry, to junior high ministry, to youth ministry, to the welcoming team, helping new people, cleaning the building, using their musical giftings, um, um, helping in administrative ways, making this place the, the place that it is because they are a part of a crew. And so once a month, we all meet together at our all crew because we want to, as pastors and teachers and leaders, train you and equip you to be able to do that to the best of your ability. But we say, hey, join a crew. What is your gifting? What are you good at? If you give something to a potluck dinner, what would it be? Is it cooking? Is it actually doing behind the scenes things? Is it hanging out with children? Is it musical? Because we want you to be giving your best because it will benefit all of us. It will bring us unity. And I'm so excited to bring people into that. And so you can be a part of a serving team. And I'll give some like helpful ways to do that after. Well, even we are literally meeting today. And so my personal job after we have a meal today is that all, all of our all crews are going to meet. If you have nowhere to serve yet, I will help you find a place to serve or I will get you connected to the right person. We would love for you to join our crew. The second is meetups. Meetups are our kind of words for small groups. And so meetups we've been talking about a lot. They launch next week. At the very back of the auditorium out in the hallway, we have all of our different meetups. We want our large church to feel small in moments so that you can get to know each other. Pastor Paul would say this phrase often, you will not know everyone. You just won't. But every single person needs to be known. They have to. And so the way that we try to accomplish that is with our meetups, getting into smaller groups. They either are interest-based, and so I remember even for myself, um, I've been in a couple meetups already, and so we had one now around disc golf because there was a few of us that, were, that picked it up during COVID, and so there was a group of us, eight to ten of us that would meet every single week, and we just played disc golf, but we had incredible conversation. We just continued the conversation. We had laughs. We got to know each other. We were talking with each other after our meetup was done. It built community in that way. There is also... Um, so we have interest-based, we have felt needs. So there are things that you are going to encounter in your life, and it's maybe specific to you, but there are other people that have gone through it or that are going through it, and it's just me so helpful to be in a circle like that. Divorce care, grief share, divorce care for kids, 
Kathleen and I, uh, last winter, we led a parenting group. And so we just all together laughed a lot about all of the things that we sometimes feel alone in, and yet we're like, wow, we're not alone. Hey, I've been there before, it gets better. Or wow, I'm glad I'm not there anymore, but I promise it gets better. Like, you know what I mean? And some of these, so we have groups based off of felt needs. Maybe it's something that's going on in your life specifically, and then we have Bible-based groups where you can just get with a group of people of all ages um, and get around, a, a get around the Bible with a Bible study and you can just get to know each other and learn about who God is and just have those incredible conversations together. You don't have to give your life away at meetups because we have three semesters. And so for 10 weeks, you can say, I'm going to do this for 10 weeks. I'll see if I meet some new people. I'm going to do this one. And then in, in the, in, there's another semester you can say, okay, now I'm going to join a different group next time. So you don't have to feel like, okay, if I sign up for this, for the next 10 years, it's going to be hard for me to get out of this. No, we want you to get to know different people and you get to be in community with different people. So that's what meetups are. Sign up because they start next week. There's a few. Actually, Alpha starts this week. It's, they, they broke the mold and they added one week ahead because they needed that extra week. So Alpha does start this week. All the information will be back there for our meetups. If you don't see one, then lead one. Because we are only as good as what people bring generously. Oh, like, if not, I'm just going to go do my group on my own. Oh, I'm just going to eat so that I don't have to eat at this potluck. No, we want your best because there might be someone else that can benefit from your generosity. The next one, Sunday smorgs. Um, So this is a switch from last year. The last Sunday of every month, we would meet as uh, all crew, everyone who served, and we would eat together, and then we would align ourselves with teaching together, and then we would equip everybody that's there. And we said, hey, coming out of COVID specifically, one of the things that we just want to do more is to just get to know each other in community here at Calvary. And so every single last Sunday of the month, there's a meal for everybody. You don't have to be serving here. It could be your first week here, um, but it is for everybody. Now, Steph wants to make sure that I say this. We ask people to register so that we know how much food to prepare. And so for this week, if you did not register, that just means the people that can register can go first, but I was going to say to everyone, you can have my slice. If you didn't register this week, I want you to be here. I want you to get to know people. I'm sure there'll be a, another. Kathleen's going to give hers too. You can't have my children's because then the community is not going to benefit um, from my children being hungry, I think. But I'm sure there are others. And so if you did not register, I want you to stay and be with us. Now, we're going to let the people who registered go first, but we'll see what happens. But this is a mental note for all of us. Register for our Sunday smorg next month so that we can feed everyone. And even amongst that, it is hard to feed a lot of people. If you have the gifting, some people are so gifted in feeding large groups of people. Help us. We need help so that we can have an incredible last Sunday of every single month where we're eating with each other. Maybe you're with your crew. Maybe you're meeting somebody new. Maybe a pastor is going to connect you with somebody and you can eat and get to know them. Every single month, we're going to eat together to build up our community. Uh, What else? We have midweek programs. And so every Tuesday, our grade one to fives meet in their fun shops. There's something for our kids so they can build community. Every Wednesday, we have junior high and also every other week on Sunday morning. So our grade six to eights get to know each other. Every single Wednesday, we have high school groups uh, that meet on Wednesday night so they can build community together. We have young adults happening uh, on Sundays, midweek programs, so they can get to know each other and build community because we care about community. Uh, last New to Calvary class, four times a year. We had one last week. Some of you were a part of it. We have new people coming to Calvary all the time. We want them to know who we are, what we're about, and get them connected. And so twice a semester, so there'll be another one in November. If you're new in the last six months or year or two years, we say there's a New to Calvary class for you during our service. Come and meet some new people. 
That's how you can get connected to Calvary. That is what we are about. That is what we are striving to do because we want everybody. And I think underlying all of that is could you give and give your best? Because the community will benefit from your generosity. For some of you, it's going to be gifting and time more than other things. For some of you, it actually might be financial because of where you are in your life stage. And you can say, I can actually benefit this community specifically from that gift. God has generously given to me and so I give as well. We're expected to do all of these, but in different seasons, we can give more and we can do certain things and we will benefit. My neighbor that I bring or my friend that I bring will benefit from your generosity and the community here We'll just point people to Jesus. And so that's what we're about. We're about community. Let's pray together. And then we're not going to jump back into worship like we would do most weeks or, or have moments of prayer together because we're going to practice it and we're going to eat together and we're going to talk to each other and we're going to get to know each other. Um, and so that's how we're going to apply that today. I'm going to make you do it. Um, and, and so that's what we're going to do. But let's pray together. God, we come before you. We come before you as individuals but as a part of the community here at Calvary. And I pray with this church, even though our leadership has changed, uh, our vision is all-encompassing everyone and our eyes are pointed to you. Father, Son, and Spirit, we continue on because our vision is so much greater than one person. May we be able to, in this community, just give so generously. Would there be people that are brought into this community that their eyes would be so obviously pointed to you, Jesus, because of the generosity of the individuals that are a part of Calvary? Would we benefit from the differences of those that are here uh, and would it just be such a beautiful picture of the maturity of those that are believing in the unity of Jesus Christ and would this church be a picture of the kingdom of God that we are trying to create in literally all of Peterborough and the in surrounding areas but would, we, would, it, would, would it happen here? God, we love you so much and we thank you and we all said together...